Welcome to Mind Tricks Radio, where we'll explore contemporary topics in psychology through interviewing creative and innovative thinkers in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Kaplan. Thanks for tuning in. We're here today with Dr. Avram Weiss, who is a psychotherapist, author, and teacher. Dr. Weiss's decade-long work on understanding the internal lives of men culminated with his recently published fourth book, the bestseller, Hidden in Plain Sight, How Men's Fear of Women Shaped Their Intimate Relationships. Dr. Weiss is a regular contributor to the Psychology Today website and gives workshops nationally teaching men and women how to better understand each other. He lives on an island off the coast of Maine with his wife and dog. He appeared on the highly popular episode 31 of Mind Tricks Radio, where he talked about men's fear of women, and we're fortunate to have him here again today for a follow-up conversation. Avram, welcome back. It's great to see you. It's good to see you too. Aloha, I should say. Aloha. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you back on the show. You were here, yeah, about six months ago. We recorded episode 31 of Mind Tricks Radio, Men's Fear of Women, and that was based on the book that you had released shortly before that, Hidden in Plain Sight, How Men's Fear of Women Shape Their Intimate Relationships, and that's been a very popular episode. Oh, good. Yeah, and um, our conversation today is about why couples have the same argument over and over, and I know this ties into the topic of men's fear of women. I know that you have ways of looking the, at this about the way men and women relate to each other and their internal dynamics and how they relate. And that is a topic that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially couples who have the same arguments over and over. Yeah. And therapists who do couples work uh, see this quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm excited to delve into that. But before we get started, Avram, tell us, give us a little bit of an update on what you've been up to since I spoke with you a lot last and anything notable in the world of hidden in plain sight. <laughs> Thank you. I have been doing a lot of podcasts like this. I'm delighted. It's it's the perfect way of getting the message out for me because I feel like I'm just going to have a nice conversation with somebody for an hour. And I know a lot of people listen. And so for me, it's an exciting chance. So I'm doing a lot of this. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, I'm also starting to do workshops around the country for groups of men and women, helping them to understand each other better. And the format that I'm using, I'm going to date myself here. Some people won't know the reference, but the old TV game show, The Newlywed Game. Right. Remember that? You don't have oh, to admit it. You do. okay. No, no, I'm old enough to remember yeah. The Newlywed Game. So sure. the way the game went, if you don't remember it, is they would ask newlyweds questions and they'd have to about each other. So you'd have to answer about your husband or your wife, and then you'd write your answer down, and then your spouse would see how much you didn't know about them. So there'd be silly questions like, um, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And they wouldn't know the answer. So we do the same thing in the workshops, only they're much more personal and intimate questions. And again, we ask the men to write down what they think the women are thinking. We ask the women to write. So it's, it's a, a sort of fun way of helping men and women learn more about what make each other tick. 
It makes perfect sense. And it's a great idea. I remember in our conversation last time, one of the things, the points that came up a few times was how baffled men and women tend to be about what's actually going on in each other's head. And one of the odd things about that is if you go on Amazon and you search, you know, books about men, you, you find this large group of books written for women about how to understand men, which right away tells you there's a problem. Right. But what's interesting is most of the books are written by women. Interesting. Well, I want to thank you before we move forward about writing Hidden in Plain Sight. I thought it was a great read. And thank you. I've recommended it to a few of my patients and and couples so far who have really enjoyed reading it and it's been a lot of brought a lot of insight oh. and help for them. So great job on that. Thank you. It's wonderful here. I'll tell you one thing some couples have told me they're doing, which I can pass along as a recommendation, which is they read the book together, as in they read chapter one and then they, they don't go on. They stop until they have a chance to talk about it. Then they read chapter two. And I think it's a great way, particularly for men, I think, who often really do want to be more open, it's a great way of sort of helping them find the language to describe what they're experiencing. And for women who really do want to know what's going on inside of there, and a lot of times they can get there through some of the stories and examples and things in the book. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great activity for couples to do together and a great way to spend time. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this idea about couples who have the same argument over and over again. Yeah, I see you're smiling as you say it, like I'm sure it's just a, an intellectual understanding on your part. Of course. And just as a clinician, I mean, you know, you have couples coming in and say, we fight about the same thing over right. and over and like, what is going on here? And I think people can relate to that. So I'm, I really want to yeah. dive into this. Um, sure. When I say the same argument over and over again, you could think of that as we keep arguing about the same thing. Why did you not close the garage door? You know, we keep arguing about the garage door. Or you could think of that as it doesn't matter the thing we're arguing about. We It's still the same argument over and over and over. And it's more the second way I mean. Right, right. No, I, I get that. It's the dynamics that are going on that could prompt the similar content of the argument or could be an argument about a different thing, but it has the same flavor to it. So tell us about this. What is the classic argument dynamic that goes on between men and women? I'm going to start a little farther back and work up to it. Sure. I'm going to start actually go all the way back to grade school. And when we're kids, girls played and boys played together. And then at some age, they tend to segregate by sex. The girls play with the girls, the boys play with the boys. The boys are off playing. They're learning. They play games that teach them how to take over the world. They play games of competition and aggression, mostly sports, but lots of competition and aggression in most of the things that boys do. Girls go off and they practice relationships. They play house, they play school, they play doctor. And all the games they play are fantasy games in which people are interacting with each other and they learn about relationships. So when men and women come together, there is usually, later in life, there's usually a pretty significant gap in both relationship experience. The girls tend to have had more closer friendships as well. So there's a gap in how much experience they've had in relationships, how comfortable they are in intimate relationships, and some basic kind of skills. And it's men who are at the disadvantage. Mm -hmm. 
So for men coming into an intimate relationship with a woman, they've been off working to be privileged and advantage in their lives at work. And then they come to an intimate relationship and they are actually disadvantaged. So it's not a familiar position for most men and it's not a position most men like. So there's some discomfort there for men. Absolutely. It's a great word. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Okay. Men respond in one of two ways. And that the, the way they respond has everything to do with whether or not a relationship is going to work. So smart men, men who are more secure, sort of look at the situation and say, it's like having a mentor at work. You know, I could fight you or I could say, wow, you know a lot I don't know. I'm going to shadow you. I'm going to watch you. I'm going to study you. So it goes well when men in their relationship say, okay, I, there are some things apparently I missed, but I think you could really help me with that. And, and it's clear to me what the reward would be because I see how close you are with the kids. I see how close you are with your friends. And I really miss that. So there's some good stuff there. So I'm going to learn. And then the other choice, of course, doesn't go so well, which is that I'm the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. Stop trying to control me, all that kind of stuff. And then it's just loggerheads. So that's the that's the table setting. We come to um, adult relationships. And women, I've, I've been asking women recently a question, and the answer is disturbing. I feel like I should put a disclaimer on it. Mm -hmm. Been asking women, what did you learn about men from your mom? By which I mean, not what it's just what she tell you, but when you watched how she was with your dad and you watched how she was with men, like, what did you, what did you come away with how your mom thought about men? And the disturbing part is that the answers, once women sort of take a moment and think about it, a, a large majority of women have said to me, my mom taught me not to think much of men, hmm. not to trust them, not to rely on them, not to expect to be particularly close have friends for intimacy don't expect much of them interesting so then women come into marriages often with pretty low expectations and men may not know that consciously but they experience it so men talk all the time about feeling criticized In women's minds what it seems to them they're doing is trying to get these guys on track like I'm trying to show you how to have a relationship. I'm trying to, you know, the reason I tell you to do these things is because we'll be better. It'll go better if you would listen to me. You know, that's where she's coming from. But men hear it as criticism and intrusive. So what do people do when they're criticized? They withdraw, not just right. men, human beings, when right. they feel criticized, withdraw. So women tend to initiate conflict because frankly, they're not as happy in relationships as men are. They don't work as well for women. So women initiate some kind of expression of dissatisfaction, trying to make a connection and men's response is to withdraw. So then what if, of course, what happens when the man withdraws? The woman is now, she's made an effort and it's worse than it was when she started. So she escalates. So she gets more emotional, more upset, which makes the man feel more criticized and more tightened and withdrawn. 
And so it, it gets exacerbated. Instead of them coming closer to understanding, they get further and further. And they are actually working at cross purposes is the wild thing about it. Because one of them is trying to make a connection, but the other one is trying to get the hell away. Yeah. Protect himself. And so no wonder it doesn't go well. I'm wondering, Avram, if you could provide sort of a hypothetical example of how this might go. And we're talking about this happens again and again and again. It's yeah, the yeah, yeah. same argument over and over. If, if you're a therapist and you happen to read the Psychotherapy Networker, there is a case example of exactly this coming out in the January issue of the Psychotherapy Networker. Uh-huh. I will I will recreate it from memory as best I can, but we Great. need a content area. So what is a common dissatisfaction? Oh, oh, because this one's a sensitive one. The woman sees the man interacting with their three-year-old son. And he's he's um competent and he's responsible and he's reliable, but there's something missing. He's always sort of being with the kid the way as if he were, you know, doing the dishes. It looks like everything's okay, but you can just feel there's a certain arm's length about it. There's, there isn't quite that. And one, she wants more for her son, but two, it really just kind of hurts her heart, both for her son and for her husband, who she knows really wants to be closer, but can't figure out how to get there. And of course, we would add that she probably had a father who had a hard time figuring that out as well. And so part of her hurt is that she could never make that kind of connection one with her own dad. So she tries to approach her husband about this and say, but it, it comes out sounding to him like criticism. Like before she says anything, she may sort of hover around a lot while he's with hoping to sort of make helpful suggestions, all of which he hears as criticism and controlling. So she's trying to be sweet and tender and find a way to help him have a more loving and he hears it as correction and criticism. And he, if he doesn't, he at least withdraws and maybe he gets irritated and maybe even gets aggressive. And so she starts off with one problem and she ends up, now he's mad at her. Now they're at odds. And meanwhile, nobody's paying attention to the baby. There's different things going on with both the man and the woman in this example. Almost woman, opposite. Almost opposite. It sounds yeah. to me, I'm going to just sort of rephrase this here for yeah, my yeah. own understanding. The woman is feeling some pain about the lack of connection and intimacy that she sees going on between yes. the the husband and the and the son and she's also it's tapping into her own feelings of pain of maybe not having that with her own father and that's motivating her to move toward the husband exactly in a more of a connection and that's scary for him and he's yes. pulling away yes so she interprets that as oppositional and withdrawal like a power struggle is how it seems to her so she escalates and he withdraws further. I did an, a workshop in an interesting format. It was men and women, like the workshop I described. And the workshop happened, it was, it was two days. And then there was a four-month gap, and we met two days again. 
So it's very interesting. Everybody got to go home and practice and try out these ideas in their relationship. And what was interesting is the women had more, made more changes in their relationships than the men had, even though it's a, it was a workshop about men's fears of women. Mm. You'd think that the big eye opener and the life change would be the men. It was the women because they had under, well, let me read you the quote, a woman from this workshop. I understand that my husband has not been ignoring, dismissing, or hurting me out of a lack of respect, as I had assumed, but that he's scared, scared to hurt me, scared to mess up with me, scared to not be enough. I had honestly never imagined that he was scared and that I was so profoundly important to him that he was constantly terrified I would leave him. So it, it changed her entire understanding of his behavior. And she went from sort of being aggressive and pursuing and hostile to compassionate and receptive, which created a great deal more room for him to feel invited rather than pursued. So I think that's a really interesting and important point here that when we're focusing in on this men's fear of women concept and what men struggle with in the dynamic between men and women, there's work for both to do and understanding each other and how each other relate, relate to these emotional dynamics. I'm so glad you said that the book, the last section of the book has three chapters work for men to do work for women to do and work for couples to do. So I want to go back to this same argument over and over. You gave a really, really good example and so let's just say that one about the man not connecting with the son and the wife wanting that, and then they're arguing about that. And so I'm imagining this is an example that that kind of conversation is going to come up over and over and over again in different ways in the yes. relationship. Yes. And I actually, let me add another layer to the story because it's actually an important layer. Yeah. So the, the hurt that she experiences watching him struggle to connect with their son is, of course, also reflecting the same hurt that she experiences at her own feelings of not being able to get at her husband the way she would like to. And so the pain she's watching her son experience, she imagines is like the pain. So she's really, she is, in a sense, criticizing. She is expressing her own dissatisfaction. And even though she's talking with him in a loving way about how he's being a dad, he knows that she is also saying, you're not really up to snuff with me either. So numerous examples of this are going to come up in different ways. When she experiences this, he's not paying attention to me, my needs, what's important to me. He's not connecting with me the way I'd like to. I'm going to let him know somehow. Yes. And he's likely to experience that as criticism, as saying that he's not good enough, he's not being a good enough man and a good enough husband, yeah. shut down and pull away. One of the expectations of men in our culture is that we take care of everything for everybody and they never see you sweat. So not only are you responsible for everything, but your adequacy as a man is, is evaluated on the basis of how well you take care of women and children. For example, it's less true now than it used to be, but a generation ago, it would be an item of pride for one man to say to another, well, my wife doesn't have to work. 
He's saying, I'm more of a man than you are because I provide better for my wife and family. But here's the dark side. If men experience themselves as responsible for any kind of distress in their wives, their partners, girlfriends, that means anytime they're upset about anything, men experience it as, a, as an indictment of them as a man, even when the upset's not about them. Yeah. If she's not happy, I'm inadequate. I've done something wrong. So then that's why when women approach to connect, men immediately feel defensive because they're all they're hearing is C minus. Right. What did I do wrong and how do I need to exactly. fix this? Yeah. Which men say out loud all the time. Just tell me what to do to fix it. Right. And she may not even have said a word about it being about him. Right. And you hear this all the time that, you know, women, I hear it in the couples therapy I do. I just kind of want to vent. I want to talk. I want to talk about how I feel. I want to talk right. about my crappy day at work. I want to talk about how awful my experience was in the grocery store today. Yep. I just want to talk and I want you to listen. And the man will jump into solution yeah. mode. Like, oh, this is what you should do differently. And so I'll tell you a great trick I learned that I teach to men that is so simple. Anyone can do it. And it will save you so much distress in your marriage. You cannot believe it. And it's free. Yeah. Every time your wife starts to talk to you about something, just say, oh, oh honey, wait one second. Is this one of those times where you just want me to listen? Or is this one of those times you want me to help? Because if it's, you just want me to listen, whew, I'm off the hook. I don't have to <laughs> right. fix anything. It's the only thing. I can right. relax and just listen. But if it's, you want me to help you, okay, I know how to do that. That's my thing. And I don't have to worry about that. I'm not listening. But the other advantage of it is that you don't realize at first is the person speaking, usually a woman, probably hasn't th thought through for herself whether she wants someone to listen or, and so often what happens is we talk, start talking about something and we don't like the response we get back, but we were sending out mixed signals. Nobody could tell what we wanted. Yeah. And so of course the other person gets, so it's so simple to just right at the beginning say, what is this A or B? You know, I use a similar technique with the men I work with too. I mean, it's just, they, they kind of look at you like this shock in their eyes, like, like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to give you this idea that's right. going to take so much stress it and does. pressure off of you. You don't need to do anything that's but right. just listen. That's right. What a relief. I came to it through the humility of realizing how often I was wrong on that question. You know, I always thought I knew the answer. I'm a therapist after all, right? Yeah. But I was absolutely wrong more than I was right. Avram, let's talk a little bit. I know you discuss attachment styles, and that's really important for understanding yeah. all of this. And we talk about attachment a lot on this podcast. And so we don't need to do a whole primer on attachment theory. Good. But what I am interested in is a statement that you've referenced, this idea that like, you know, with communication problems, 70% of them usually include males that have avoidant attachment paired with women who have anxious attachment. And this is sort of a recipe for this argument that happens over and over again in the dynamics. So what's going on there? Gottman said that 70% of the conflict in marriage is due to men being avoidantly attached and women being anxiously attached. But I think A, he was wrong and B, his own data disproves him. Because attachment styles are spread 
equally both across people and genders. Men are not, there are not more avoidantly attached men and not more anxiously attached women. So how could there be, how could 70% of, what, where would the other match be? You know, it doesn't, it just doesn't follow logically his own data. But I do think I understand, I think I understand his observation and I understand why it looks that way. So I think when you do work with couples, it often does seem as if the man's avoidantly attached to the woman's anxiously. First of all, in any heterosexual relationship, men are going to default to the defensive style the culture endorses, which is avoidance. And women are going to, it's not that they are, that is their attachment style. It's that they're a woman in a heterosexual relationship in this culture, which means you're probably going to go into an avoidant defense. I'm sorry, uh, anxious defense for a woman. Right. Okay. So it, it's just sort of a, a gender issue where men avoid when they're feeling criticized, when they're feeling defensive, and women are seeing the man pull away and like, please come back. What do I need to do to get you to respond to me? Yeah. So that's a perfect segue into what the work for men and what the work for women is. Yeah. It follows immediately from that. So the work for men is to relinquish some of the safety of avoidance and to learn that relationships work when both people lean in and when they find themselves scared, first of all, to recognize when they're scared and when they do to learn how to soothe themselves rather than the typical male strategy, which is to control the woman to soothe themselves, to learn how to soothe themselves, to take responsibility for doing that themselves so that they can lean in and make connection possible. That's the man's work. So when you're working with a man, are you trying to get him to become more consciously aware of when his defenses are kicking yes. in, the, yes. the messages from childhood are bound, the, yes. the gender dynamic is kicking in and influencing the way that he is seeing the whole dynamic and to, and to make a different decision? Yes. By appealing to self-interest. You know, okay, this is the way you've been doing it. And it's resulted in you feeling estranged from your wife, not close to your kids, kind of empty about your life, lonely, empty. All those things kind of follow from this style that you've been using in your marriage. So there is an alternative. And the other way, of course, to help men see that is to get men into relationships with other men where they can, in a less threatening way, experience the value of connection. Yeah. And one other thing in self-interest I want to point out is to not have that same argument over and over again. Yes. Yes. Right. And once you understand the cross purposes you're working at, it's actually a whole lot easier to not have the argument again and again. So the man understands that for himself, it helps him know how to approach these things differently and you were talking earlier about the woman understanding this about the man, and that's helpful for the woman because yes. she ends up seeing with him a lot more empathy and compassion when she understands why he's like this. And the woman's work, the man's work is learning to forego the defense of uh, avoidance and withdrawal. For women, the work is a around avoiding the defense of criticism. Mm-hmm. And to understand that you are talking to a scared little boy. I, I know that men can be offended by my saying that, but I don't mean literally they 
they are. I mean, that they're in, when all of us are a little boy or a little girl when we're scared. We're all in childlike kind of places. We're still adults, but we're functioning emotionally like a scared little boy. And to talk in a way that reflects that. Um, Gottman talks about, you know, he's got all this data about how, um, I've forgotten his language, but, you know, when an argument gets really ugly fast, how destructive that's going to be. And that when people learn how to do what he, I think he calls a slow startup, how much that helps conflict in couples. So if you don't come out guns blazing, but you sort of give the, in this case, the man, time and space and room to talk about himself by recognizing that your per talk, person you're talking to may not look scared, but believe me, they are. So you're the woman trying to have this conversation with a man about something that's bothering you or upsetting you or something that's on your mind. And you are aware that he's going to have this button being pushed possibly about feeling defensive, being called out and criticized. Give us an example, Avram. How does the woman approach the man on this conversation so it doesn't turn into the same old argument in a more effective way? I'll go back to the example we were using and I'll talk to you like, like you're my husband, like I'm your wife. So, honey, um, after we get the kids to bed tonight, I'd like to talk. I know that makes you nervous immediately when I say I want to talk to you. I love you. We're good. Everything's fine. There is something that I want to talk to you about that's bothering me. And I um, want to give you some a heads up about that. And so then we come up to dinner and then, and then I go to the, honey, um, it hurts. It hurts me when I watch you with the kids. I, I, you are a fabulous dad. You are so reliable. You, I can see how hard you try, but there's, it just seems to me like there's, you, you can't quite get where you want to go. You know, it like, you just, I, it feels to me like you're sort of aching. To, that's how it works. Okay. I'm speaking to the part of him that he's not yet articulating himself, but I know is there and I'm reaching out and inviting that part to come talk to me. The thing that comes to mind when you give that example and you speak like that is empathy and compassion. Yeah. You really sound like you care about the other person <laughs> yes. and you understand that he's struggling and you just want to help. It's a great thing you're saying because people think if they say the words that suggest that, but the way you get there is you have to first really come from a caring place and then the words don't matter as much. If you're really feeling angry and critical, it will communicate itself. If you really are feeling loving and accepting, that will also. That comes up a lot for me, too, in the couples work that I do, that when couples sort of go back and they look at how things were communicated and what was said, and we try to think of, like, what is another way that this could have been communicated? And then you ask the partner who is the recipient of it, how do you think you would have received that if it was delivered this way? They often say, Oh, it would have been a completely different ballgame. Completely different, right? And then let's maybe even let's try it that way. Like right now, let's try it that way and see how it does feel. Right. Any other thoughts you have about sort of helpful techniques or strategies that couples can use to recognize these ongoing arguments that they get into and trying to diffuse them and do them differently? I think the other thing men have to learn how to do, or that have to, but if they want to be happier is 
to track their own level. So I talked about men tracking their level of fear and resisting the temptation to withdraw. One of the ways that men can lean in is by beginning to say out loud more about how they're doing as their wife is talking to them, to report out loud. And so that goes something like, you know, I was doing pretty well there, but then when you said the thing about, you know, my sister, then I started to get a little defensive and slow down a little. Like the way you would think about it is if you, if somebody were rubbing your back or scratching your back, oh, a little higher, uh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, press deep there. You wouldn't think that they would just automatically know how to massage you. You would tell them about how the massage is going and where they should push harder or not so much there. That with words. That's just, again, basic uh, communication about how you're yeah. feeling and how you're responding. Yeah. But I don't think it occurs to most men to even to think about it much less or, or that anybody would want to know. I don't think it generally occurs to men that their partner, how helpful that is. Right. No, they're too busy cringing and putting up the walls. Yeah. But the other thing is, of course, when you say to somebody, I'm starting to get a little defensive, you immediately become less defensive. Just having said it to them almost certainly will make you less defensive. Right. Right. For sure. Because you're communicating how you feel and the other person hears you. And, And I imagine like on the other side of it, it's very important for, let's say in this case, it's the woman communicating with a man to not then become defensive herself about the man bringing up the fact that he's feeling uncomfortable. Right. Because then that puts it in another bad direction. Of course, you're, you're, you're opening the door to a huge, you know, because of course women have their side of this issue too. And, you know, women were trained by their mothers to not think of much of men and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that heterosexual couples ever get together. I mean, it's really sort of, (laughs) I'm always sort of amused in my office when people say, well, our our marriage, we're really in trouble because, you know, he goes to an Episcopal church and I go to a Methodist church. And I'm like, wait wait a minute, you're a man and she's a woman. And you think which church you go to is an insurmountable (laughs) difference? Somehow this other difference doesn't bother you at all. Right. But but you go to, I don't get it. Right. Because we really do think very differently. And we don't know a lot about how each other think. And we just assume that they think like we think. They don't. Yeah. So Avram, any final thoughts on this topic of why couples have the same argument over and over? Let's see if you've got anything, any words of wisdom you want to leave us with on this topic. I don't know if it definitely, I don't think it sums our work today, but it's what it's in my heart to say to you right now, which is that I've probably been a couples therapist for, I don't know, between 40 and 50 years, a long time. And I started off working with couples thinking my job was to fix problems in couples. And I feel bad about all the couples I saw with that idea in my head. Hmm. Because I don't think that way about it anymore. I think the way to help couples now is to help them recognize and strengthen the love they already have for each other. Because almost every relationship, there was something that brought them together. And usually when they get in trouble, it's because they got distracted by stupid shit and lost track of what is really special and important. And so that's what I would say to any couple is stop fighting over everything that you fight about and start spending that energy looking for um, the places you love each other. Yeah, I really love the way you put that. And I can relate to that 
tendency to want to, to feel pulled into a couple's fight about something. Right. When that's what he's saying, the weeds. So she wants to watch TV (laughs) with me on the couch, but I want to work out with her and Uh we can't agree on which one to do. And we're here trying to settle that fight in the therapist's office. And if I go into the weeds, I'm trying to help them negotiate on how much time they're both going to spend doing each and each thing. Uh, But that's really not the issue. I'll tell you a funny story about that. First time I went into couples therapy, my wife and I were fighting. I mean, really fighting over. I had something plugged into the outlet in the bathroom and then she would want, she would need the outlet. She would unplug whatever mine was, my toothbrush or whatever. She would plug hers in and she never, God damn it, unplugged and plugged mine back in, right? So we're going on and on and on. And the therapist looks at us and says, why don't you add another outlet? <laughs> Which had never occur to us <laughs> and I classic therapy but you know it's like really just add another outlet right right well avram it's been great to have you back on the show today Good to talk to you yeah this is just such important work you're doing and so so great i mean Thank i you. just think there's not enough work being done focusing in on men's needs for one so i always like having guests talk about that but of course the relationship dynamics are so important too and you know if if you can make a difference in couples learning how to navigate the relationship in a much more loving and healthy way i think you're really doing a i hope so great service i'll have to paraphrase i don't have it exactly right but meryl streep said we have to figure out what the problem with men is why they're so afraid of women Great to see Avram. Thanks so much for being here. Good talking to you. Thank you for listening to Mind Tricks Radio. I hope you have enjoyed the program. For more information about Mind Tricks, you can go to my website, www.waikikihealth.com. Be sure to subscribe to Mind Tricks on your preferred podcasting host to be notified of new episodes of Mind Tricks. Please take some time to give Mind Tricks a good rating and review wherever you're listening. It really helps get the word out to new listeners. And please like and share Mind Tricks posts on Twitter and Facebook by following your host, Dr. Aaron Kaplan.